The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. should excite you. I'm excited about it, and I'm excited because I didn't even know. I knew we were playing a video, but that's not the one I thought we were playing. I, I got to see it first hour, and I was like, dude, that like totally fits my lesson. That's amazing how God does that. And you know, if, if we don't see that, I want to ask just right now that we all bow our heads. Father, I pray that it's not about what I say. It's not about what Pastor John says. We are just falling creatures that fall short of Father, we are just a tool standing here to speak your word. Could it not be something that I say to fluff an ear? But, Father, we just look at this text and that this text would do what God has designed it to do. As it says in Hebrews, that it can cut and pierce and divide the heart. The hearts that are hard, the hearts that are soft, the hearts that are callous, the hearts that are just lazy. That we would hear what you want us to hear. And that we would come from this place to be different, more like John said, you must become greater, I must become less. That's what I'll have to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. And as that video says, it says in Psalms, if anyone has breath, let him praise the Lord. We should all be praising the Lord because he is mighty. And if you haven't seen his might, I pray after today, you will see that God is mighty. And that you would want that God as this individual wanted that God and did Extreme measures to find that joy and peace. So look at me in Luke chapter, uh, chapter, where are we at? 
chapter 8, chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 40 just to kind of give some context of our story. It says, and now Jesus returned. He's coming back across the boat to come back to his hometown as he's coming back to Capernaum, and he's back here now. And as he was greeted off the ship, right away there's this mass crowd there. What up, Jesus? Hey, I heard about you. I see what you've done and whatever, whatever. So they're already giving him high fives and saying, what's up to Jesus? And he's coming off the boat. And right away in verse 41, it says this. And then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading with him. Pleading with him because his only daughter was 12 years old and she was dying. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not even going to go there, but I just want you to get the context. Jesus just got off the ship, didn't get a chance to go pee, didn't get a chance to get a snack. He was busy on the ground, ready to run, and ready to run so much that he was bombarded with everyday things. He was not about his business. He was always about talking and working or whatever he saw. He was always attentive with radars out. What do you have for me today? Today, I need to go to Jairus' house. He's a ruler of the synagogue. This is important. This guy is important. He has a name. He's someone special and has a job. And we're going to go to his house and meet this need. So Jesus goes there. And that's the end of that story. This is where our story starts. In verse, uh, we're going to start in verse B of 42. It says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. To give you kind of an understanding, when Jesus was traveling, to get kind of this picture in your head, it's, uh, has anybody ever been to, um, what's it called, someone that was there first hour? Uh, San Antonio, the Riverwalk. Has anybody ever been there? A couple people? All right, so I lived there for a long time, and I got to go there a lot. And every time I went, I never saw anybody fall in. And I wanted to see that so bad. I did. I'm just being honest. I'm that guy that thinks, that guy looks goofy. He's got a third head out of his hand. You know, he's like, I'm just that guy, right? So so I wanted to see it so bad. There's no guardrails. Just to kind of paint this picture for you, it's about three chairs wide. So it's not very big. There's no guardrail. And on the other side of the sidewalk is water, okay? So you fall, you fall into the water. It's all right. I've been to River Tour, and it's known to be pretty painful. But people falling all the time. And I just haven't seen it. But today, I got to see it. Not today. And someone just fell and goes, you know, ah! and they stand up and they crawl back out. They feel like an idiot, right? But to give you context of the story, there was no water, but it was a very narrow pathway. Up and down the path was shops and really tight. There was no water to fall in, but there was no anywhere to go but to be crushed. To give you an understanding of that passage, let's listen to that again. It says right here, as Jesus was on his way through the crowd, almost crushed him. They're being pushed in. Jesus is rubbing arms, getting kicked in the leg. He's Judas is probably punching Peter because he's like, man, did you hit me? Oh, yeah, come on. You know, and he's, they're, they're traveling down this tight path. It's tight, right? There's not enough room for you to say the people that don't like that. What's that called? The, yeah, they're, they're claustrophobic, whatever. They're like, there's no room for that. You're just... You're in someone's armpit. They stink. You're like, oh, I just, how long do I got to be there? You're just stuck down this path of tight being crushed in. So we're crushed in. There's tight. There's no room for anybody else to get in there. 
I want you to picture that because that's important. Jesus is on a mission to go to Jairus' house because he's important. He had a name, and he had a job to do to go there and heal his daughter because she's 12 years old and dying. So as Jesus is continuing to go, verse 43, it says, And a woman was there, and she was subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. It's funny how in the Gospel of Luke, Luke is a doctor. He doesn't note he screwed up as a doctor. The doctors couldn't fix her. If you read the other accounts in Mark and Matthew, they say she's gone to all the doctors. The doctors couldn't do it. She spent all her money. Luke doesn't note that. He says, you messed up the doctors. No, but he couldn't fix it. But this lady is desperate. She's desperate so much that she has this, like, hood on her face. She doesn't want to be cast out because in Leviticus, it tells us if you have bleeding, for all you ladies, you have seven days, according to the law, seven days that you are unclean. You are unclean. You are not allowed to be around others. The bed you sit on or lie on is unclean. For seven days, you have to be away and marked out. And then after that, you can go to the temple and make a sacrifice, and then you can come back into the community. She was bleeding for 12 years, it seems to say. So it goes on to say, she came up behind them and touched. I'm skipping ahead here. Uh, Verse 43. And the woman was there and had been subject for bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Also, the, the gospel of, uh, make sure I get it right. Uh, Matt Mark says that she even got worse. I like how he picks that out. Luke doesn't say that. But all she now she's broke. Now she's got doctor bills off the wazoo, kind of like me. Uh, always getting in trouble. Anyway, so you, you've got all these things. And then not just that, she's an outcast. Not just seven days, because there was no end to her bleeding. For 12 years, constant bleeding. That means no relationships, no husband. No one's going to go see her because she's been put out of the city. She has to hide herself to come in and to go see this guy. And the reason she's going to see this guy, because she knows who this guy is. And we don't get to hear that. We don't get to hear why she's going to see Jesus, but she's going to see Jesus because she's heard about the miracles he's done. She's heard about that he's raised people from the dead. She's heard about that he's turned water into wine. She's heard that he's made the blind see, the lame walk, and she knows that Jesus is the Jesus she needs to go see. In Luke's gospel, he doesn't say this either, but Mark and Matthew say, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I don't even have to go talk to Jesus. I don't have to give him three fist bumps or a head chest bump. I don't have to touch him. I don't have to get up in there. I don't even have to say, Jesus, help me out. If I just touch the edge of his garment. I don't have time to dissect that part. But I really, if you're studying this, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. You could like just preach a lesson on the head of a garment. Because there's so much there and what the tassels meant. And all these different things. And you go back and you look and see what actually the Hebrew meant when you pull up an Old Testament. What it actually meant as Jesus was a rabbi and he wore these prayer cloths and he would, and he, these tassels would rub along the ground 
to signify that we're supposed to walk daily in the word. We're supposed to be daily in his presence. We're supposed to be daily reading these things. That is something that's over us and being poured over us. And that's why she grew up as a young girl, growing to the synagogue, learning these things, doing these things. If I get to that guy, the guy we've been looking for for so many years, the Messiah, the true king of kings, that is the only one, not Dr. Luke, not Dr. this guy. None of these guys, none of those guys can do it. But Jesus, I don't even have to touch him. I'm fine. I can just touch the tassel of his robe, and I'm fine. So with that being said, she goes on to say right here, she came up. Remember, we got the crowd that's pressing in. She's getting in there. She's desperate. Many of, many of us in here aren't desperate for Jesus. Maybe we're desperate for a paycheck. Maybe we're desperate for a car to start when it's 4,000 degrees below zero. Maybe we're desperate for something that is really bad, but are we desperate for Jesus? Are we desperate to go to extreme measures to go to the one that can do something? And she goes to him. She came through the crowd, and she touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, immediately, not a week later, immediately she was different. Immediately something changed inside of her, and she knew there was something different. It's like immediately I can jump right now and do three jackpots, right? God. But I believe God could do that. He could heal me right now in the second of a heartbeat right now. But he chooses not to. I've seen him take his hand of death off me and give me life again. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen God heal people of cancer. God is in the business of doing bigger things than we think, ask, or imagine. And sometimes we put God in this little box. We put ourselves in a little box. Do you remember the story started with Jesus being on mission? He didn't get a chance to go to Bethany. He was going to Jairus' house. He's interrupted by someone grabbing his throat and saying, Help me, Jesus! No! It was like a little... He probably didn't even feel it. And I love Peter's response. Listen to what happens in verse 45. Jesus says right away, because he knows everything. He knows the wickedness of a heart. He knows the thoughts before they even become a thought. And he zeroes in. Who touched me? Like a hunter scoping down a field to find the animal he's going to come home with the winner. Trophy. You can't breathe out of sink and you miss whatever. Everything is precise. So Jesus is going through the crowd and finally he zeroes in to Chris. He says, Chris, I see your junk, baby. I see you. You got three eyeballs. I see it, bro. I see your junk. I see that you're an outcast for 45 years. I see everything you're going through. He zeroes into that whole crowd. Everybody is pressing in. Jesus is getting touched all over the place. But there's one lady one lady that wants Jesus so bad that Jesus singles her out. He says, shh. She doesn't even want him. She just wants freedom and healing. I only touch you. So as Jesus is searching the crowd, he zeroes in, he sees her, and he says, who touched me? I love Peter, and he says, Jesus. Master, the people are crowding you all over the place. Judas just punched me in the eye. What are you talking about? Who touched you? Are you stupid? That's not in the text, but I get to see Peter like, what's wrong with you, man? I got elbowed three times. This guy grabbed my butt, you know, just, just, I, this is tight. What are you talking about, Peter? 
shuts Peter down. He says, Peter, stop talking to me. I hear everything you're going through. He says, Chris, I see everything you're going through. Logan, I know all your pain. I see it. He zeroes into everyone's hearts, and he says, I know where you are. You think you've been on your own for 12 years. You think you've been on your own. You think you've been shut out. I know everything you've been, where you've been, who shunned you. I see it. A single lady over here that just had a name, lady, this woman, became a somebody. This somebody that came into the picture, now Jesus zeroes in and he tells Peter, be quiet. I know someone touched me because I felt the power in verse 46 leave from me. The power is gone from me. I know this person touched me. And I felt it leave. There's been many a times I've heard the Lord tell me, go do something. Not in a voice like this, go do that. But you just know the Holy Spirit is living inside and he tells you to do something. And you ignore it. I just took the youth this summer to, this is the most biggest, and I just knew it was wrong. I know the Lord said, Gary, I want you to go pray for that guy right there. You're walking by right now, Gary. I said, Lord, I can't because I'm a good youth pastor. But if he's there, if I turn around, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go back. I didn't turn around because I knew he'd still be there. And I kept walking. I ignored the voice. I ignored it and left it. And then later on, God brought that dude to another side where I was at. And I still ran from him. I'm a screw-up. There is no one righteous, the scripture says. All of us have fallen short. But Jesus singles out this lady. He realizes you need something and not just healing. You don't need this to be accepted back. But you need, listen to this passage. She's grown up knowing the law. 613 of them going to the synagogue, learning the truth, knowing about the tassel and how as rabbis would wear these things and what each one meant. She knew all that. And she says this. This is from Malachi 4.2. But for you who revere my name, that means honor my name, humble yourself before me, the son of the righteousness will rise up with healing in his hands, and you will go out like well-fed cattle. She knew that was the Messiah. She knew that was the one that was going to heal her. It's crazy because you look at the Old Testament, it says our filthiness is like filthy rags. It's terrible what this lady's going through. But our righteousness is put to that same place. We think our goodness is good. I'm good. I'm good. I go to church. I help that service project. I help that lady cross the street. Oh, I gave $400 to help that guy go to camp. So what? Jesus says, so what? You're missing it. Jesus didn't stop and ignore that lady and say, I got better things to do. He stopped in his tracks, told Peter, be quiet. This lady, you need to address this right now. In a minute, you're going to get to go back and look at these tables. I don't want you to be like Peter and ignore Jesus. I don't want you to be like me and ignore the Holy Spirit when he's telling you to do something. But that you would be responsive. You would hear what he's telling you to do. And it goes on to say this in verse 47. And the woman seeing what happened. She knew everybody in the crowd got up and everything was noticed. 
It was everything was laid bare, and the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at the feet of Jesus. She, she, everybody knew now. It's all out. She fell at Jesus, and the text goes on to say this. In the presence of all the people, she told them why she touched him. This is her chance to share. This is her chance to proclaim. Right now, she's probably thinking in her head, I'm, I just jacked up Jesus. He's clean and pure, and I've just defiled his name by touching him with my dirty hands. I defiled the king of kings, the one I've been looking for. I messed him up because I'm disgusting, and I touched him. But Jesus said no. He looked right into her heart. He said, you didn't defile me. You didn't do anything. And instead, he knew where she was. He knew everything about her and zeroes into her heart. And he says, what's he say? This is amazing. But Jesus said, this power that has gone from me, I now aware of it. And instantly, how she instantly was healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is awesome. As that video started out to show, you know, the people see Jesus in us. Are we the boring, sad, depressed people? Or do we have the joy of the Lord that's our strength? Are we, yeah, I'm jacked up, my leg is broke, but you know what? I can rejoice because I have a God that is big. In the midst of my storm, I can still praise him. As the scripture says, when there's no animal on the bend, no food on the vine, yet I will praise him. I can praise him in the midst of whatever storm or trial I'm in. And maybe you're not sure. Maybe, maybe you're just not desperate enough. But I want to challenge you. If you're desperate enough, I promise you, the King of Kings is being crowded. There's many of people that come to church and fill up all these pews and just squash people in here. But you know what? He's looking for the one that says, you know what? I'm desperate and I want you. And he zeroes into where you are, and he will meet exactly where you are. And he will find you, he will talk with you, and he will change your life forever as he did mine. I grew up in a Christian home. I heard the truth, but I, I was one of the ones that was hard. John, he came out of the womb ready to praise Jesus and do right. We always called him Father John, and, and, and he, was, he was right. And he always told me, Gary, you shouldn't do that. You know better than that. You shouldn't talk like that. But Jesus called my name. I've been different ever since. Because he did it. He changed me inside out. As this woman was changed, she was different forever. She tells everybody right now, this is why, because that guy is different. He is the guy that makes the lame walk. He's the guy that immediately, I just touched the tassel, and my blood was gone. I, and Jesus, I get this is not in the text, but Jesus said, you're not dirty anymore. You're clean. You're forgiven. Get up. He tells her, daughter. She went from a nobody to a somebody to now a term of endearment, a daughter. A child of the king. And she's telling everybody, I'm not just anybody. I am the king of the king's daughter. And he called me. This is the only place in scripture where he singles out someone like that and calls them daughter. Only place. That's amazing. She went from nobody to somebody. Jesus wants to wreck your life in a way that you feel like I'm nobody. He wants to make you somebody. He wants to change your life forever. And today that can happen. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Maybe it's not just about going back to a back table and helping a, a good thing. Helping, there's a lot of good things. Some baby bottles and letting that money help pregnant teens or people that need help. Maybe it's going back and going on a mission trip. You know what? Maybe it's just you first wrestling. Where am I right now? Am I 
so busy that there's no room. Maybe I'm a Peter. I don't got time to stop. I'm going to church. And I saw three people crash. I didn't tell this story earlier. Three couple weeks ago, I was in Tucson. This is crazy. I'm the second to go. And this lady is just walking out the door and falls on her face. Bam! Falls on her face. And I look around. I'm like, I guarantee nobody's in here. I guarantee it. And I survey the whole crowd. The guy in front of me is like this. The cash register is like, boop. You want any more potatoes? Boop. You know. And this lady's just laying on the ground. And I get up and I go help her. And the lady that was with her says, what are you doing? Nobody helps people anymore. I'm being Jesus. We can be busy and forget the whole thing. Stop what you're doing and go. Listen to the voice of God and he'll tell you. Be obedient and be responsive. And God will do big things. Finally, the boss guy comes over and goes, oh, let me get a card. Shut up, old man. Because I, I didn't say that, but I'm like, you know what? Don't come over here and try to get a brownie point. If that's not your heart, then Jesus was telling the Pharisees all the time they're like that. You are far from me. Hear the voice of God. If he's talking to you, be responsive. Finally, the guy comes over and calls an ambulance. All this happens, but let's not be the people that just walk by. I told the story earlier. I walked by, and I went home regretting it. I missed something God called me to do. Don't be that. We're going to get an opportunity to go to the back table back here and find a way that you can serve somewhere right now in our community. Don't just run away. Maybe you can be the person that calls a somebody to a, to a nobody. A somebody that is a nobody to something great that God has a plan for. Maybe you can be the hands and feet of Christ in some of that. Let's all bow our heads. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that this story isn't just some made-up story, but this is real, and there's so much here. Father, I thank you that you called us while we were still sinners in our grave, while we were just messed up in our sin, and that we deserve a penalty. Father, you graced us, and it bestowed upon you and upon others. We stand right before you. And just as that woman came before you and thought, just if I touch his garment, I'm healed. Jesus, you made her new. There's people in here that need to be made new. I pray that you would make them new. Father, I pray right now, there's someone in here that does not know Jesus. Maybe they don't understand what Christmas or this whole season about Advent, of looking to the King of Kings, that we have a reason to rejoice. Maybe today can be the reason they rejoice. Because they know who you are, that you are the king of kings. You came to seek and save that which was lost. That you would leave the 99 for the one to know them, that you love them. If someone in here wants Jesus, I pray they would pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Change me forever. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. Make me new, like that lady we heard about. I can walk right. As Pastor Gary said, we're going to release you to go to the back now. If you prayed that prayer at the end uh, to give your heart to Jesus and to be made new, uh, let one of us know. Find one of us. We'll be walking around with our families doing the different stations as well. But 
uh, you won't be interrupting us. We'd love to celebrate that decision with you and pray with you. Um, in the back, there is a communion station. And for those of you that know Jesus as your Savior, let us participate in that station with family and friends, uh, remembering that all of this is only possible because of what Jesus did for us. Uh, he took a piece of bread and he said, as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, think of how my body was broken and my blood was shed for you. I died for you and I conquered sin and death so that you could live for me. And let us follow in that challenge that Gary shared with us today to not overlook our neighbor, but to find ways to reach out. There are 14, 15 stations back there with some real practical, tangible, creative ideas for you as a family to, to be in the meeting of the season, serving others. Jesus came to serve us, to meet us at our time of need, and now says, as the Father sent me, I send you. So go back to those tables, take the next 30 minutes to visit as many as you can, and be blessed so you can be a blessing to others. We'll see you soon. Thanks for being here today.